Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie, our weekly podcast in association with Labrooks, where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend. I should make it's not even a weekend anymore. It's a constant. Every day no. there's something on. My yeah. name is Mark Farley. Obviously, I forgot to say that. This is Mick McCarthy. Mick, I, uh, I don't know if you're enjoying football, given that Aston Villa's impending doom uh, is going to take over for you, but it's been a busy week. Sporting constants, I think, is probably the way to describe it. It's been an incredibly busy week. I meant, look, I don't want to start the show every week with my impression of the Premier League and football, but God, I'm, I've never watched so much football in my life. So, like, on Saturday, I was working on, um, was it Saturday or Sunday? when Man City played Southampton Sunday. And I'd watched every game all the way up and uh, Villa, Liverpool at the press me and so on and so forth. And um, I was off that evening, put the child to bed and came down and Man City and Southampton was on BBC One. And I said, I'm not watching this match. There is nothing to play for in this game. City are warming up for the Champions League. And other than that, there is nothing to play for in this game. Shane Long isn't starting. Obafemi isn't starting. Smallbone isn't starting. No Irish lads involved. Nothing to watch here never moves, kept watching. And it was a cracker. It was such a good game. And I was like, yeah, that is, you know what? Maybe maybe it's okay to football's up. And then last night was watching uh, Watford against Norwich and in and out of the room, had things to do. Every single time I came in, it was a troll. And then I thought to myself, I was not expecting that. There's too much football. It was just nothing happening, you know. And every single time, because it was pissing rain all day yesterday, and every single time I walked into the room, a Watford player was wiping the football in his jersey and about to take a throw really slowly with no pressure from the crowd or anything like that because it doesn't exist. And I thought, there's too much football on television. There just is. Um, But at the same time, I'm still watching it, and I'm sure all our listeners are still watching it. But. I don't know. Like it's eventually, how much is too much? Yeah, but like uh, the weird thing is, though, if you forget about it, from you can't you can't relax for a moment. Like yesterday, I was busy yesterday, even I forgot that the games had kicked off, and Danny Welbeck had randomly scored a bicycle kick. Yeah, like, geez, you, you look away for you look away for two to three years, and Danny Welbeck scored a bicycle kick. Um, three minutes? No, no years oh, for Danny Welbeck. That was the joke. <laughs> He was so but, excited he couldn't speak in his post-match interview, actually, yeah. I didn't see that, but uh, it was good to see him back at uh, Benteke as well then grabbing a goal for uh, Chelsea. That was another high-scoring game. So, like, you know, there's, there's entertainment there to be had. Obviously, as well, at the weekend, you had Seamus Power uh, going well in the golf. You had yeah. uh, Bryson DeChambeau giving out to the cameraman um, for following around <laughs> at the sporting event. What was he thinking? <laughs> um, was... Formula One, McLaren yeah. back in the podium. Yeah, and we'll talk about that uh, later on. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton not winning, which was uh, interesting. Yeah. And look, the horse racing. I know we're not going to get into it too much, but like it was, you know, the um, Derby weekend, Derby in the Oaks, and everything that went with it. And Aidan O'Brien, like I was saying last week, wasn't supposed to win the Derby. You know, he didn't have the right horses for it, and had I think the third, fourth, and fifth favourite. Um, the first two were English, and of course. None of those five win, but Aidan O'Brien still has a winner of a horse that just runs out in front and never is caught. And you're like, <laughs> this is unbelievable. This is like, we have the greatest horse trainer in the world in what is a worldwide sport and flat racing. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if we talk about it enough. And then his son, who's 21, 
uh, has a group one winner on Sunday as a trainer, you know? And his other son, Joseph O'Brien, is one of the best trainers, and he's like 24, 25. You know, it's, uh, I, I don't know if it's a talked about enough uh, Irish uh, sporting achievement, what that family is doing, but uh, that was an unbelievable uh, right, racing yeah. again for, that, for, the, for those guys. And the great thing about all the sport is it's happening again this weekend. We've got another Formula One. <laughs> never that happened this weekend. And we're going to be building up to it throughout the podcast. We're going to be chatting to Kevin Dyle in just a couple of moments about the upcoming Premier League games. We're also a uh, sports. We're going to have a big shout as well, obviously, and our, uh, our your chance to win two cakes and a sports biography by, uh, by giving us a big shout that's five to one or greater. Uh, and if it comes off, you win that in coveted price. I didn't yeah. manage it last week, but we'll talk about that in a while. You and we'll have our... to one there, Mark, just because I think you cut out, as you said, so it sounds like five to one, which makes it way too easy to win two cakes of the sports biography. <laughs> it has to be 25 to one or over for the big show. You were actually so close last week, even though kind of you were way off in the end, which is always yeah. the way with the big show goes. <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about it in a while, but I'm going to give it a go this week. I haven't, I ha- I've, had, I've had a few thoughts on it, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to failing miserably. Yep, and we'll uh, be playing one, two, three later on as well, where we'll try and win 100 euro cash. But correctly, we can score three this weekend's poker matches on Labrix123 on labrix.com website. And also, Mick and PJ, the dynamic duo, are back together again. They are going to try and win the All Ireland GA quiz, the championship in GA quiz format. Uh, they've not made it past the semi final in football, and they have not, they've got to a final a couple of times in the hurling, but have yet to win it. So, this week, you know, it's do or die. You're running out of time here, mate, because they're going to have to do it. Yeah, we're running out of time because Real GEA is going to be starting soon and we're going to have to talk about it, but we're going to do it. Like, I'm comp- I don't even know if it's football or hurling or what century the- it's from this week, this year, but I am very confident. I talked to you about how I was going to go away and just study a load of championships just so I could re- rack my brain and remember a lot. I have to admit, I didn't do that in the end, Mark. I completely forgot about it. Um, but nevertheless, I am confident that with PJ's help, this week is the week. Right, well, let's get down to business. You can subscribe to the podcast by searching the build-up on Balls.E and all good podcast apps if you have not yet. And please do rate and review the show. But up next, we're about to chat to Kevin Doyle. We're delighted to be joined on the line again by Kevin Doyle. Kevin, how's it going? Good, lads, and yourselves? Well, not so bad at all. We're uh, Actually, before we get into chatting with, about the Premier League, uh, Stephen Kenny is... Uh, doing a presence today, um, he is looking forward to the September fixtures now, getting into the swing of things as Ireland manager. There's a couple of different uh, talking points, I suppose, especially given the form of some of the players at the minute. Um, one of the things I was thinking of was, if you look at Harry Archer last night uh, for Fulham, scoring an absolute screamer of goal, got Ireland assistant manager Keith Andrews and co-commentary watching on as well. For these, even he's got kind of a weird one, that he's going straight into playoffs for the Euros. So like, what do you think you should do in terms of looking towards the future while trying to balance it with the likes of, say, like, you know, should he bring Arthur back into the fold or should he look towards a, maybe a Jason Malumby or a Josh Cullen or whatever and look for their feet? Oh, it's a fine line, isn't it? Like, like, it's so long, it seems so long since their last game together that even if it's the same squad, it's sort of like they're all so in and out former in and out to yeah. different aspects. You know, Glenn Whelan, say, was playing the, maybe the last time it's had two clubs since. So, like, what, yeah, how do you get it right? How do you get the balance right? I don't think you can look too far in the future. Like, this is our chance to qualify now. Like, you, you look to right now, and you're not looking at uh, how can I flood someone for two or three years down the line. It's it's all about now, the present, get try get to the Euros. So, 
I would think unless someone has shown outstanding form for a good team, you don't go, here's a chance to, to break them in. You, you go with people um, who, who have been there, who might maybe they haven't been in the squad in recent years or the last year or two, but know all about it, know what it's like to play international football. Harry Arthur, you know, he's been in and around for a long time, so there'd be no issue for him coming, coming in if he is brought in. And he said, someone who's in form and fit at the moment, you know, football at the moment is so all over the place regarding fixtures and contracts and players. You just really, it's a unique situation. You manage, you wait till September and see who's playing, who's in form, who's fit. You don't worry about your last squad. And maybe if you'd ask me in March or, or February, I was probably thinking, you know, you stick with these as and whatever. But I would say, you know, so much water passed under the bridge. You go, who's in form, who's playing well, and who has, and that happy blend of who has experience and who knows what's like being national so, um, but I would be against loading someone new unless they're pretty spectacular. How important is experience at international level? It's something that you kind of hear, but then I remember, like, say someone like Harry Arthur might have been in the squad recently, but he's played before, whereas Jason Lumby hasn't. I remember, I know Ray Houghton has talked about that before, where he talked about, like, you know, he played a few caps and then Liam Brady put his arm around him and said, Here, you're not doing enough. This is a different game than what you're used to at club level. Is it, is it that or is it like it's the, you know, running your week so that you know how to build up to a game because it's in a different camp? Or what is it that you need experience for when you're already a professional footballer? Uh, my, my viewpoint on it is what you, the, the second part you said, you know, the, the meeting the new players, the coaches, the, the, the press, the, just the rigmarole, the general day-to-day is different from what you do with your club. You're out of your comfort zone people, new hotels, new travel arrangements, all that side of it that, you know, goes sort of unnoticed when it's 90 minutes on TV, but there's a lot that goes to it, settling in, you know, if you're a younger player and you might have as much confidence, settling in and just getting used to the people around you, different, different people, coaches, hotels, all that side to it, it's just as important as the football side to it. Um, the football's a bit different. In a lot of the cases, the football is worse, um, mm. you know, national football. Maybe when Lean was playing, that was the pinnacle. It's not the pinnacle now. You know, every week if you're playing in the Premier League, you're playing most of the time against better players than you would be at international level. So, um, you know, for nine out of ten teams, you play international level uh, anyway. So, um, you know, that side of it to me, nowadays anyway, is not. It's more, you know, just the logistics and settling into a new. Uh, you know, all that takes its toll on as a player. It takes a few, like anyone in life, any job, anything, it takes a little while to just settle in, get your feet under the table and feel comfortable. And, and it's no different with, with a new club or a new team, international football, a new, new manager, new campaign. Yeah. A lot of Irish <laughs> players have been uh, kind of like in, have, since we've come back, it's, it's been very promising. There's a lot of players kind of getting into teams, a lot of younger players playing. But I suppose one of the, the main highlights has been, uh, you know, he got a lot of press this week after his goal was John Egan. But, I mean, his form for the last year, year and a half or so with Sheffield United has been absolutely superb. It's been really good with Ireland as well. We were thinking about him, myself and Mark were talking about earlier. You know, he's someone that's, like, obviously come through the four divisions. He's 27 now. And, you know, he's again, he's getting all this kind of press and attention now. How does someone like that, you know, I, I know you went over to England, say, a little bit later than a lot of players or whatever, having and kind of done really well in the League of Ireland. Do players sometimes develop later or are they just not spotted, do you think? Like, you know what I mean? Is John Egan going over playing in League Two, but he's good enough to be a Premier League player? What's the story uh, there? Like? I, say, I don't know. I'd say it's a, it's a mixture of everything, you know, uh, and there's different cases, different stories. 
with him, it's probably a slow burner, you know, regarding his, his centre half, and you sort of get better. Uh, from my experience, centre half, yeah. I get older to get. Centre forwards probably get a little bit worse. <laughs> centre halves get better. Um, just more experience, positional awareness. Growing up, you know, some players it clicks with and they grow up and they realise I can't be doing what I was doing, whether it's off the pitch or whatever. Maybe something has clicked in his head and he's more professional now. His team, he's come up with his team and done very well. His confidence is, is high. So um, it's a little bit of everything. And no one, everyone is different. Um, you know, with me, it was, or from my personal experience, it was probably confidence and belief and grew and grew and grew. And it got to the stage where, you know, I was able to perform on the pitch. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's his situation is, is unique to him, but you, you probably have to ask him. But that'd be looking from the outside, it'd be, especially centre half, they develop and become better as they as they age. Um, and he's physically, uh, he's got everything to be a really good centre half, and he's good on the ball and he scores goals as well. You see, at the weekend a very good one. So um, seems to be for us, we don't have any problem usually anyway developing centre half. So seems to be always have an abundance of defenders. Mm. Uh, you know, we could have. It'd be nice, I suppose, to have someone. The equivalent as a centre forward now playing the Premier League and, and uh, being thought of as highly as he is as a centre half, we could do a few more, a few more though. Yeah, definitely. Even though it's you exactly as you were saying, the perfect example actually probably better than the Arto one is uh, Shane Duffy and Egan. Where the last time we played, you know, Duffy was like the main player in the Irish team, nearly both even the attacking sense from corners. Whereas now Egan's probably the main centre back, and Duffy could you know he got Dar- likes of Darrow Shea breathing down his neck and that who'd be in former West Brom, whereas Duffy struggling to get it game we're just looking to get looking to the back to the Premier League I suppose there's games since we every five minutes so it's hard to keep track of what's been happening since we last spoke I suppose the biggest one of the biggest stories uh, this week so far was the bit of I don't know if you'd go as far as to call it a row or a fight but uh, a disagreement between uh, Youngman's son and Hugo Lloris uh, at half time in the Sports Everton game on Monday as a player do you think there's too much made out of that in the media, like, like if that was on the training ground, this probably happened every day of the week. But at the same point, is it something maybe the showing that Spurs, you know, they're all they're not seeing up the same hint sheet, and maybe yeah. there's a bit more to it. Yeah, I would say it doesn't. Ha- it happens on the training ground a lot, and then it's left there, and then it happens on the training ground so that it doesn't happen on the pitch. If you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, uh, Larice wasn't happy with with, uh, with his tracking or his lack of tracking switching off. Um, you know. The odd occasion happens is not a good sign. I don't think it looks good. It should be, you know, it, it can be said on the pitch without squaring up and having a row. Yeah, I just think it's a sign of frustration at Tottenham. When I see that at a club, it's usually either a sign a player, for some reason, player, the player in particular might have an issue with something or whatever, or in Spurs, you could probably put it down to frustration as we were Champions League finalists a year ago. Like Jose Mourinho was a top manager, but He's, come, he's actually been a bit quieter on the radar since the, um, since the lockdown and coming back. But prior to the lockdown, he was back to me, his old ways of my team isn't good enough and I like, my signings and, mm-hmm. like, you know, just the excuses, excuses again. And I'd imagine the players are just frustrated there. Um, and it, that showed in that incident that they won the game. They did win the game, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. Won the game. Yeah. So at least that, but it wasn't pretty. Um, and I, yeah, Hugo Reese, he's, he's a World Cup winner. And he's playing the Champions League final, you know, a year ago. And now he's battling with Spurs who are in the middle of God knows what, um, you know, where they're going to end up next year, what 
what manager or manager I'd imagine is creating a sort of a frosty icy, icy atmosphere which seems to be have followed him around the last few clubs so I think it's just boiled out on the pitch um, and I don't think it's normal I don't think it's healthy as some people say oh that's healthy it's not the top teams you don't see them having those sort of rules I see you, you do on the training ground you see it you go be on the training ground but it's, it's done on the training ground so that it doesn't happen on the pitch and it might happen in the dressing room the other time but if a team's going well that doesn't doesn't happen on the pitch mm. yeah you what have you made it so you're just what have you made of Everton uh, so far? Because like it seems to me for about four or five seasons now, you're seeing Seamus Coleman comes out in a press conference or a post-match interview and is really honest about how the players have to step up and do better and it's not the manager's fault. And then it's just back to square one again <laughs> a few months later. So like I was even thinking like you know, they have a great potential with Ancelotti first full season, next season maybe, you know, able to do business in the summer or whatever. But they just seem to have a week underbelly because Gary Ed was saying in commentary the other day once they go behind the scenes they lose belief I just think they are where they are you know I don't think they're, they're not going to qualify for a Champions League right? they, don't, they don't have enough signs they don't spend enough money like they're they're Everton and, and unless they match Man City or Liverpool spending or whatever I just spend a good few pounds in fairness oh, I spent money and I've got the right manager card but I don't think they're going to make that sort of sign that they're going to push so where they are is where they are and you know, I don't see them changing that. And and Seamus comes out and he always backs his manager and always like does what captains do and does what players have to say. Like if you interview me anytime during my career, it's the exact same as Seamus saying as the players on the people. The same waffle comes out and he has to say that. He probably thinks the exact opposite, thinks the manager's shy and like <laughs> and he says it very well, Seamus. He comes out like and he's very passionate and he says it well, but deep down he'll know. Um it can't be the players. Yeah, some people say it can't be the manager's fault all the time, but they've gone through a lot of signings and a lot of players. Uh, you know, Ancelotti hasn't had a chance yet to see what he's, you know, he's, he's a top manager who's won everything. Um, and I, I do like, really like him. I like his demeanour. I like, he's different to other managers on the touchline, getting off subject one on Ancelotti here, but he's, I, I like his cool cam. I think a lot of people do. He's won everything as a player, won it as a manager. So it'd be interesting to see if he can be the one to, to get Everton um, top four-ish. But then they need to spend a lot of money um, to do that but at the moment you know I think they are where they probably deserve to be in the league Are there any other teams that you look at so maybe, maybe Everton have a bit of work to do but there are a kind of a few teams there be it we talked a couple of weeks ago about Chelsea bringing in uh, Timo Werner maybe one or two more there's not going to be a huge amount of money around I think over the course of you know, whatever whatever we call the summer uh, the break between the seasons this week like is there any kind of teams that you'd look at and say God they're just one or two away from like getting up to that city Liverpool standard. Scrolling through the table here, um, like I always, I keep talking. You have a soft spot for Wolves. They have yeah. financial clout. They have momentum. They have confidence. They have enthusiasm. They have a manager and a, a whole club that seems to be on an upward curve. Um, whether they have the money, I'm sorry, you might hear my kids screaming in the background there. Uh, I'm happy fun. with this uh, Wolves uh, loving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with my Wolves prediction. Um, and uh, I just think they have a bit of momentum where they could, they could break into it. And they have, like, importantly, they have money and yeah. things, and they do spend it along with a good manager. Um, so Wolves would be the one. Um, other than that, no, I don't think so. I was the, the usual suspects. No, um, as, as, as we spoke about Chelsea, I'd be quite confident about them being yeah. top two or three ish. Um, like, realistically, is anyone going to get into Liverpool and Man City? Probably not. Man City is, you know, the Pep Guardiola thing. Is he going to be there? Mm. Um, you know, he's 
it's an interesting one whether he sticks around. If he sticks around, you, you'd imagine they're going to be top two again next season. Difficult to, to catch up to them too in the next year or two. Um, Man United, it's more third or fourth place. Who's going to be the third or fourth place team yeah. rather than who's going to be the top two for maybe the next 12 months anyway? A lot changed in football. Like Man United were, I know we spoke about this, Man United were written off a month ago, two months ago, whatever, and then in the last week or two, everyone's saying they can challenge again. So it changes very quickly, but I think everyone's going to be competing for third and fourth for the next 12 months. Anyway. And lastly, just before we let you go, a couple of weeks ago when the Premier League was starting back up, you predicted that Aston Villa were going to stay up and this is me trying to stick the boot in to make, do you want to change that prediction? Yeah, I was just trying to cling on to uh, a bit of positivity coming out of lockdown for... <laughs> this is disgraceful. Uh, we agreed we wouldn't talk about this. <laughs> you have a game in hand on Watford. Against Man United. <laughs> uh, oh, no, it's not looking great, is it? No. Four so, points of drift. Yeah. Five games to go. No, no. Well, I wonder what, yeah, what are the odds, lads? Um, no, I think the bottom three are going to be the bottom three now. I thought West Ham would slip into it, but they got a good win there. Um, was it against Chelsea? Yeah. A few days there. You know, massive three points for them. Um, I thought I would have liked. Sorry, West Ham fans. I like West Ham to slip in there, to be honest with you. Um, and I like Aston Villa, but no, I think the bottom three are the bottom three now. Um, Rebuild next year, make rebuild. Yeah, rebuild. Let's see you in a Jack Grealishless uh, Villa Park next year. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, as Villa one to six on Ladbrokes to go down, so <laughs> it's not looking good, mate. But anyway, uh, Kevin, thanks very no, much. We'll so chat to you next week. No worries, lads. Talk to you soon. Bye. Great stuff there from Kevin. Uh, Aston Villa, as you mentioned, one to six to go down on Ladbrokes.com. Bournemouth one to fourteen. So make. Watford are ten to three and looking like their only hope if you if they're aware to stay up. They almost certainly are, yeah, because you've got like West Ham are playing Norwich, so you know you think if they just even get another and West Ham are playing all the teams, I think, uh, you know, so they draw their way out even they're fine. Um, like the thing about Watford is they're actually on a really poor run of form. They snuck a win thanks to a mad Danny Welbeck goal against Norwich my fear would be that Villa actually won't make up the four points that they're behind on them at this stage even if Watford lose every match you know um, yeah. but yeah Watford are definitely still in it you know they're, that was a big win for them last night but uh, yeah look Mark I don't want to talk about it anymore to be honest you know I'm building I'm thinking about bigger and brighter things I'm thinking about Leeds coming up from the championship you know and are Brentford going to get there with their amazing run of form at the moment are they going to are they going to pip West Brom uh, I'm thinking about things like uh you know, Brentford going to catch Leeds. Our, That's our the worry wolves, I have. Are <laughs> Wolves going to get into the Champions League or Leicester? I'm thinking about yeah. things like uh, AC Milan's resurgence in Serie A. It's positive football stories for me all the way, you know? Yeah, uh, I enjoyed uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic saying if he'd been at Milan for the whole season, they would have won Serie A this year. But <laughs> 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 oh, I love Zlatan. Man, to be fair, banging out goals at 38. But yeah, uh, you can also catch uh, Kevin's predictions. He'll have uh, Kim Rader and his predictions for the 1 2 3 games as well. Uh, on news.labrooks.com later on this week and you get them for the weekend if you are having any bets at the weekend on football or indeed anything else be sure to gamble responsibly you can visit dunlouis.net for more information but speaking of one two three it's time to get our predictions for this week's games yes labrooks one two three time your chance to win 100 euro cash all you have to do is correctly pick the score three this weekend's premier league matches but it is a lot easier said than done. We have yet to do it, make ourselves, but you have a sob story for me this week, like every other <laughs> week. What's the news is it? 
<laughs> it is a sob story, Mark. I did the dream uh, in one, two, three, which was going one up. You know, everybody loves uh, when you go one up. I, I had Chelsea to beat Watford three nil. Delighted with myself. Delighted with my life. And uh, you know, decided to go against my own team and uh, have Liverpool beat Aston Villa three nil in the next game. You know, Villa held on for a long time, but once they got a goal, they got another one quickly, and there was a good 10, 15 minutes left. You fancied Liverpool to get that goal. So that's like, oh, they didn't in the end. It was 2-0. And then I also just had this feeling for Southampton against Man City. Didn't trust myself to go for them to win it. Went for one all. It very much could have been one all. You <laughs> met the chances that City yeah. had uh, towards the end of that game. And I just, I got my Euro free bet. I'm going to put that to good use over the course of the next few days. But uh, at the very least, I thought I was going to get the five out of it, you know, um, which I haven't done yet. I haven't got the two out of three. Um, I probably was never going to win the 100 euro, but I think that's my best one, two, three performance in quite a while, Mark. Yeah. And also, like you said, it's all about I, I after the first one. If you get the first one right, you get yourself the euro free bet and you're kind of happy no matter what happens. You're like, Really, it's positive. It's one that's rejuvenated you, re-energized you to come back this week. This week, stronger, better, stronger faster. than ever. Faster. I don't know what. I don't know why faster would be any use. Pick it really quickly. Presidential candidate, candidate. Um, I went with yeah. I was miles off at all of it. It's not even worth going through. But this week's games are Brighton against Man City, Tottenham against Arsenal, and the North London derby, and Bournemouth against Leicester City. Up first, Brighton against Man City, which is probably going to be the hardest one to try and call here. Um, I want to go with Brighton I don't think 3-0 Man City no 4-0 Man City oh 4-0 I do think that I think Brighton are relatively safe City are just so they're losing so many games but then when they win them they tend to just put them away I think 3-0 3-0 for you 4-0 for me next up Tottenham against Arsenal I'd like to predict a red card in this game Um, battle for 7th place (laughs) You see, what was the game they were on about in Sky last night that were saying, uh, was it the Watford game? No, it wasn't the Watford game. Uh, it was some game where Arsenal were tweeting out going, or one of them was tweeting out going, here, so you go to whatever place and win. And it was like the most petty, <laughs> kind of trying to stoke the rivalry of two teams that have been struggling this season. Arsenal, like Tottenham, I don't know how good they are, because Everton just folded once they went behind uh, the other day. Arsenal... We're all over Leicester, and if they kept led men on the field, probably would have won it. So I'm going to go for Arsenal to win this. I'm going to say 2-1. Yeah, Arsenal are the team in better form here, and I think can probably finish higher than Spurs. Um, I don't know if it matters that it's at the new White Hart Lane or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium anymore with the way things are, but I also just fancy I fancy a draw here. I think one all, one all, And then you've got Bournemouth against Leicester. This is kind of a game that could, both teams really need to get a result here. Yeah, poor like poor old Bournemouth don't have the easiest uh, run of things. We talked about Villa's tough fixture list. Performance is pretty bad as well. They're obviously in a bad run of form. And that's like, you know, they could get something tomorrow night against Tottenham. Uh, who knows? But then they have to go and play Leicester or fighting for their lives to stay in the top four. Um, I fancy Leicester to win this. I feel like that even though they weren't great against Arsenal, they have come back into a little bit more of like, they look like they're actually trying to play football again and not pre-season friendlies. Um, I think 2-1 to Leicester. 2-1 to Leicester. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the same. I'm going to go 2-1 again. So that was because we were 2-1, two, two ones. We've got Man City, Brighton. I'm going for 4-0 away win to Man City. Tottenham against Arsenal. Uh, 2-1 for Arsenal for me. And then Bournemouth against Leicester. I'm going for 2-1 for Leicester again. 
Mid quarter years again. Uh, three 0 to Man City against Brighton. One all in the uh, North London derby, and two one to Leicester against Bournemouth at the Vitality. The Vitality. Cool. Those games are on uh, on Saturday night. It's eight pm uh, for Man City against uh, Brighton against Man City. Uh, Sunday at four thirty pm on Sky Sports is Tottenham against Arsenal. It was Sheffield United that Arsenal were taking the the mick out of Tottenham for, for not being able to beat them. Um, and then Bournemouth against Leicester City is 7pm on Sunday on Sky Sports. Uh, if you get one of the scores right on one, two, three, you win a euro free bet. If you get two of them right, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win a hundred euro cash. You can get on to labrooks.com right now and play it for yourself. It's absolutely free to play. And up next, we're going to try and win two cakes in a sports biography by correctly giving a big shout for this weekend. Right, hold it. Steady. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady, David, don't. Get round! No, don't! Bloody! Mick, I've had a secret for the whole show. I've right. kept it under wraps until now, right? Yeah. We talked about my sob story. Uh, we touched on it earlier on in the intro about how I nearly won the big shout. Yeah, you were very close. We talked about how I didn't win it. But we did have a winner. We have what? the second ever winner of the big shout yes a listener sent us in a big shout for the weekend and he's won himself two cakes and a sports biography oh, amazing. Mr. Oshin Walsh congratulations Oshin is Oshin. a long time player we've probably mentioned him on the podcast actually before coming close a few times but he won the big shout we have I another winner I don't believe it I actually don't believe yes. it yes wow two cakes and a sports biography what sports biography do you want Oshin let us know. We'll, we'll select your cakes. We'll have to get out of the house to go and do this. Used to be in the yeah. office for these things where it's nice and easy. But, uh, well, what was his bet, Mark? So his bet was he had a treble on. He had Man United win both halves and Man United had the most corners in each half against Bournemouth. Right. He I had, presume they did that. <laughs> yes, they did indeed do that. He had William to score against Watford for Chelsea. Okay. He did that. Williams in great form at the minute. And he had Arsenal to beat Wolves. Oh, that was a big shout. All came off. Yeah, yeah. just under 40 to 1. That's an incredible, incredible win. It feels oh, like, wow. I mean, we talked about coming back from the break. This is our four, it was our first big shout back. And uh, we said, you know what, we come back, rejuvenated, re-energised after the break. We didn't, but he did. Because he did. that's incredible stuff. Oh, Congratulations, wow, that's like, I thought you had done pretty well. Like, you had, had, I think, two up of your three bets, and you had Anthony Marshall to score more than Bournemouth. United got five, Marshall scored, and somehow he didn't score more than Bournemouth. Uh, yeah. He got two goals. Very nice. Um, and then, obviously, uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton didn't go and win the Austrian Grand Prix. So, we're always, even in the sub story weeks, we're always a way off, in fairness, me and you. But good to see that the listeners are uh, getting it done. I'm, that's 2-0 two, two they're beating us here. Yeah, exactly. And anyone listening can try and enter as well. All you have to do is get onto labbooks.com, make a big shout, it's 25 to 1 or greater. Just don't even have to put the bet on, just send us a screenshot of the odds. Send them to the gaffer at balls.e with big shout in subject line. And you could be like Oshin and win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. This week, Mick Hopefully is going to try and do it. Mick, as you mentioned, going to do that. <laughs> uh, Mick, you uh, you're going this week to try and to try and do it. Can you win yourself? We'll be, we'll be 
there'll be there'll be bakeries going twenty four for twenty four seven <laughs> round the clock trying to keep up with this. Uh, hopefully, I can. I don't know. Is the truth? Uh, I go with what I think is best. Um, I have a bet here that works out as um, it's twenty eight point seven five to one mark, but with a Ladbrokes odd bo- odds boost, is up to thirty three point two to one. So I know you're, that makes you already skeptical that I would, uh, you know, uh, every cent after the twenty five to one uh, makes it less and less likely that I'm going to get this right. But here's what I like this weekend. Right, we're going we're going with football, but I'm going away from the Premier League. And I'm going with golf. Um, and it's just a double. Simple as, right? Nice and easy. Don't have to be remembering my bet all weekend. Not for the first time. I'm going for a bit of a Shane Lowry pick here, okay? So this is uh, Shane Lowry is playing this weekend in the um, Workday Charity Open. It's his fourth tournament back since the lockdown. And as Shane tends to do, it's been a kind of a slow start. So he missed the cut in the Charles Schwab ch- Charles Schwab challenge, which is easier said than, or easier uh, easier played in, I'd imagine, than said. Uh, he's challenging enough to just say it. He finished four over in that tournament, missed the cut. He then missed the cut the next week at the uh, RBC Heritage, which is easier to say, um, at one under, and then um, and then he played in the Travelers Championship, where he finished four under and finished in tied six. He made the cut. It's a gradual improvement every week. You'll notice, and Shane, as we know plays himself into a little bit of form. He is somebody that can come out of nowhere and go and win a tournament, you know, and I like him this week. He is 90 to 1 to win the Workday Charity Open, okay? I wouldn't even be, like, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Mark. I have my one euro uh, Ladbrokes free bet on Shane Lowry to win the Workday Charity <laughs> Open at 90 euro, but it's not my big shout because I do want to win the two cakes in the sports bar. Too big. So I'm going for him uh, to finish in the top five of the tournament, which is 16 to one. So Shane Lowry, 16 to one to finish in the top five in America this weekend. That is going to combine with, we mentioned them earlier in the show, AC Milan are, have been the story of uh, post-lockdown Serie A. They beat Juventus um, uh, during the week last night, in fact. And this week, they go to Napoli. They're up to fifth in Serie A, which is like lofty heights for, for uh, AC Milan. <laughs> oh, great. I don't trust them to win away from home, but I do trust them to get a result in the current form that they're in. So if you go with AC Milan plus one, so therefore if they win the game or draw the game, um, then you'll win this bet. That is three to four on labbrooks.com. You combine the two of those things together, you use the odds boost, and you're 33.2 to one. What do you think of that? I like it. That's a massive match again with uh, AC Milan and Napoli because Napoli need to Champions win as well to try and get your not even Champions League. You're they're right, way yeah, out of running sorry, the yeah, yeah. Europa League. Yeah, uh, they're in a battle for Roma as well. It looks like like Milan has that have that maybe secured hopefully top six anyway for them. And um, but yeah, I like it. I mean, golf is very hard to predict. Is the problem like Shane Larry could win this or he could miss the cut. <laughs> I haven't a clue. Yeah, so I absolutely. But I, I, I'm going by the progression. And look, honestly, I mean, if you're going by literal progression, you're expecting a top 20 this week. Maybe not at the end of top five, maybe next week. But like, it's not as if Shane Lowry yeah, ever really sticks to the, you know, sticks to the plan either. You know what I mean? And like, he is somebody that will play himself in the form and all of a sudden be in the best form and, you know, the best player in the world. Like, he is that type of golfer. So there is some logic to it, even though, as you say, golf is, can be quite random. But this is... Now I love how these... It's his fourth tournament in a row. And, and Milan are definitely a team on form and look like they finally got a bit of a run together. 
I love how these, uh, yeah, I love how these golf tournaments have taken on like so much more importance now. These random ones with no uh, majors on at the minute. But anyway, that's a good big shout, Mick. I enjoyed it. I'm going to be intrigued for the weekend. If you want to send us a big shout, send it to the gaffer at Ball. So the uh, it has to be 25 to eight, or if it comes off, you'll win yourself two cakes and a sports biography, just like Ushin Walsh did last week. I'm going to quickly run out and take the clothes off the line because it's starting to rain. And when we come back. PJ and Mick are going to try and win the All-Ireland Quiz in GEA form. I did that the wrong way around. The All-Ireland <laughs> GEA Championship in quiz form. PJ Brown is back again in studio. Not in studio, on the line with us, in our Zoom studio. Uh, with myself and Mick. He is now ready, primed, to try and win the All-Ireland Championship with Mick McCarthy. Mick, or PJ, are you rejuvenated after your week off? Mark, I can't say I've thought about a whole lot of sport in the last week. So, rejuvenated, maybe primed. I'm not sure. Um, the, the the only sport I like does does what does like climbing Mount Brandon count as sport? That's one of the few bits of sport well, I've done last week. I've thought about. Uh, I in a, in a shopping recess, I talked with a man about his love of decathlon. That's the track and field dis- discipline, not the uh, not the shop. 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 <laughs> uh, well, That's like, it. climbing a mountain, climbing a mountain. This is this is the peak that yourself and Mick have not been hey. able to reach. Uh, <laughs> and see that coming a while ago. It was just great trying to do about it. Great tradition. <laughs> you've met you've met various semi-finals. I don't think you've met a football final yet. Have you, you met a hurling final? Two hurling. Uh, you finals. met the All Ireland. Yeah, met the All Ireland semi-final again last week. Mick with Donny. He's haven't gone uh, that couple of steps further, but this week I think could be the week you do it. Lads, I can exclusively reveal to you right now that this week you will be contesting the 2013 All-Ireland Football Championship. Okay. That means so, nothing to okay. me. It means nothing to you. Uh, so let's see how you get on. Well, with actually, well, well, we'll talk about it as it goes on. <laughs> as always, the Jim Gavin era. I think Peter's exactly. lack of uh, watching sport for a week is going to be a good thing because sometimes you can get a little bit too in your head thinking yeah. about previous All-Irelands and all. But the information is all in there somewhere. But it might be just easier to locate from a relaxed point of view rather than an agitated sport watching point of view. Exactly. But as always, the rules are similar are the same. It's going to be yourself, uh, Mick and PJ together working as a team, trying to make your way through the entire championship. Start out at the preliminary stage of the provincial championships, going round by round. Should you get one wrong before the All Ireland quarterfinals, you'll get a qualifier question to get yourself back into the championship. Should you get two wrong though, and you're out, you're gone, mm. you're done. I lived in, uh, we got to the final of the hurling version of this year, you might remember. Um, we were very unlucky oh, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the answer and the All-Ireland Hurling final. This was the summer I li- moved to Drumcondra and decided that I was uh, very much going to spend my Saturdays and Sundays as much as possible in Crow Park and was at an insane amount of GEA games that summer because obviously I was following Claire around the country as well and in the hurling as well as going to Crow Park every time there was a match on. So... I'm hopeful that my memory doesn't let me down. I, I've been at matches before where I may as well have not, I don't even remember who won in this quiz. So it should help, but I, it, there's no guarantees it will. Right, lads. Question number one. Which player scored a superb solo run goal in Cavan's Ulster preliminary round defeat of Armagh? <laughs> Cavan. It's not Cavan. It's the Ulster preliminary round. 
because it's the only preliminary round you can have rather than Leinster every week in this preliminary round question. And Cavan are screwed by getting always drawn in the preliminary round of the Ulster Championship. That's Including what we're this year. Out here. Yeah. Yep. Was this a famous match? Like, as in, was there, was there a bit of furore after this game? Well, Mick, was there furore? You have to think about last week's question as well and put it in context. What was the question last oh, week? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't mean that, funnily enough. I actually mean the game itself. Last week was the yeah. PJ, was the um, the rumble in whatever it was. <laughs> Parade gate. <laughs> Parade gate, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where uh, Kieran McKeever, remember when Kavanagh oh, and yeah. had a big fight in the parade? That was the question in last week's uh, Ulster Championship question. But I'm saying this week. So here's my memory, PJ, and correct me if I'm wrong. Do you remember Cavan beat Armagh? There yeah. was a, a full forward basically playing up on his own called Martin Dunn, I think was his name. And uh, it was a big surprise. And after the game, everybody was like, w- like as they do at least once a year on the Sunday game, Gaelic football is finished. It's over. Cavan basically played 14 men behind the ball. Armad didn't know what to do. They had no answers. They're, they, you know, it was more negative towards Armad than it was towards Cavan. Mm. And I think this guy got like 1-8 or something in that game. But he also... Like I and was never heard from again, you know. Um, Martin Dunn. Yeah, he kind of had a small, kind of full forward, had kind of longish hair. Like okay. my guess is that the answer is um, Keen Mackey. By the way. Yeah, that's what I would have thought as well. <laughs> I immediately went to Keen Mackey. I was just trying to, remember, I was just trying to see if you remembered the game. You know, I just, Mark. Mark, can I get the exact wording of this question again? Yeah, which player scored a superb solo run goal in Cavan's Ulster preliminary round defeat of Armagh? See, we're presuming it's a Cavan player here. Oh, well, that's fair. Yeah, I think even the superb and the the, the yeah. superlatives that Mark Mark is using would suggest the, the smile player. on his face as he says it as well would suggest Here's it's a the psychological goal. battles <laughs> again. Um, well, okay. we've, we've, we've been very, then. very bad in the preliminary round recently. Yeah. They're the hardest questions in it. Uh, Michael Argue. Wow. Uh, if you remember Michael Argue. I think it's Michael Argue was his name. Yeah. His, name his surname was definitely Argue. I think it's Mackie. Yeah. I've mentioned old, uh, poor old one-hit wonder Martin Dunn to Mark a lot of times over the years. So yeah. I wonder, like, if it is him, it sounds like such a hard answer, but Mark would know, I know his name and I remember him. So that, yeah. you know, he could think it was a fair question. But at the same time, I don't remember that goal. And he didn't seem like a kind of a solo run type of goal. Where goal scorer. Mackie, Mackie definitely was, yeah. Definitely is. Mackie, Mackie was my instinct anyway. All right. Let's do it. Final answer? Yeah. Yeah. You are indeed right. You remember oh, the goal. Yes. If you watch it, the reason I kept it was because it's in loads of compila- compilations of great goals or mm. runs in the championship or whatever. You are right in terms of Martin Dunn played corner forward that year for Cavan Mick. Uh, I think it was him and Eugene Keating were like a two-man full forward. Eugene Keating, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunn ended up being the second top scorer in the championship overall at 133. I do, however, not remember having a single conversation with you ever about Martin Dunn. <laughs> You're definitely reading too much into psychological aspects. I've definitely asked you as to whatever happened to him because he was absolutely, if it is the same match I'm talking about, he was absolutely outstanding yeah. that day. He was unplayable. He and then him. kind of, yeah. and it was a young Cavan team coming through with four or five of these players. And then by the time, the next time I saw them, maybe two years later, all these guys were 
you know, better again to come into the team and were more established. And Dunn was gone, you know. So I've definitely yeah. talked to you about him before. Good player. Uh, move. Yeah, definitely. Um, and still doing well with Calvin Gales. Um, in the 2013 Provincial Championships, lads, we're on to the quarterfinals. What sides win set them on their way to the longest championship run in their history? Okay. So in 2013, I'm, just, I'm going miles forward here, BJ, is my guess. I don't know what you're thinking. But the All-Ireland semi-finals were... Dublin Kerry and Mayo. Who did Mayo beat? Because that that's probably the answer to this, isn't it? Like you know. Yeah. Um, Who did Mayo beat? Or it could be London. Did that? Is that the year they got to the Connacht final? Vague memory, maybe. London is a good. It's a pretty good guess here. Hmm. London got to a Connacht final around in, in the years that May, Mayo won five in a row, didn't they? I think it was between 2010 and 2014, okay. maybe 11 and 15, whatever. But in this, right in the middle of this. And, God, yeah, maybe, maybe this was the year, actually. Maybe it's this pretty was good the guess. Year. Like, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure... Well, once I've thought of London here, I'm finding it hard to think that someone else might be the answer. Yeah. Still can't remember who Mayo bet in the semi-final. They beat Thoreau, they, beat, they hammered Donegal in the quarters. Yep. And they were kind of champions, so, they, yeah. I'm just thinking, who were the... Who were the Ulster champions? Monaghan? No. Um, will we go with Tyrone? With Tyrone, because that that would wasn't that the year that uh, Tyrone beat Monaghan in the quarterfinal, and the oh the yeah, right. yeah yeah, and the the, the, the Brawley uh, rant about uh, <laughs> but, about John oh Gavin this was I think Mark is right. This is the most eventful <laughs> championship <laughs> ever. Yeah, uh, London then, uh, which was a great story in itself, and and is the one that probably makes sense for us. They would have had a qualifier then in the last twelve. Of the of the like the last rounds of the qualifiers, wouldn't they? So yeah. that would make sense then that they were in the last twelve of the competition and be their furthest one ever. Yeah, London. London is indeed the right answer. Oh, yeah. uh, it was their first championship win in thirty six years. I'm not going to tell you who they beat because they're through to the semi finals, and the question of the semi final for the provincial semi finals is who did London beat in this year's Connacht semi final? Okay. They definitely bet Sligo. Sligo, yeah. But I, I, I think, think that was the Royce game. Okay. Because I remember there was a kind of a thing where one of the Sligo players was talking about having to go over Charlie and Harrison. Eat, eat different food. and you know, Charlie it Harrison, just, it, was, it, was, it was like he was heading into some kind of war zone or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I made a video package on the radio or an audio package on the radio about it at the time. Um, and then I was told it was mean. Um, um, yeah, so it's not Sligo then, right? Because that would that was in Roystep. They wouldn't have played the semi final in Roystep. They would have played it in Ireland, mm-hmm. and it's they, they lost the Mayo in the final. So you're looking. It's either Roscommon, Galway, or Leitrim. I don't think it's Leitrim, doesn't it? Has to be Leitrim. You would think so. 
I think I'd remember to beat Russ Common, would you? Yeah, yeah, you would. I mean, they, to be. that would have been huge. Yeah. Yeah, they, would, they must, didn't beat must, Russ Common. Must be Leitrim. Must be Leitrim. Must be, yeah. Leitrim. Leitrim is correct. You're through to the provincial final. Lads, you're on our own. This one, it's not even like you are, you know, you're, you're almost excited in giving these answers. We're somewhat cutting to the chase. We've answered three questions in about a half an hour there, which is great. For yeah, us, like, exactly. You know. But even like the big thing there was going to be like, who did the beat, Sligo or Leitrim? And you give a big backstory to the beat, Sligo. And Congratulations. <laughs> provincial final time. Dublin's seven-point win over Meade in the Leinster final was actually their narrowest margin of victory in the nine finals they won in the last decade. True or false? Uh, I feel like that could be true. <laughs> yeah. What did they beat Leash by the one me and you went to? Oh, I did. They hammered him in the end. It was, it was close for a while and they absolutely destroyed him. More than I'm seven points sure. then, yeah. I would say so, yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. And when's the starting point for this, Mark? Starting point is twenty. So uh, Meath won. Uh, you might remember that game. Uh, they beat Louth in the 2010 Leinster final. Uh, Lento, by a point. Yeah, and then Dublin went and won nine Leinster finals in a row between 2011 and 2019. And this was 2013, obviously. Yeah, I. I it's uh, it's very plausible. It very is. plausible, and we don't. I'm not going through all of them. I know that they no. definitely hammered a lot of teams along the way, but I don't know every match. No. Sounds about right, doesn't it? I can't remember yeah. anyone ever getting close. Like, I, I, I can't remember. Like, I'm yeah. I, 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 any match that's jumping into my head is pre 2010, like yeah. Wexford in 08 or something like that. I think it was four or five points, wasn't it? It was. Maybe it wasn't, <laughs> but Kildare random close close enough one year. Remember they got two early goals. Yeah, and then uh, they the absolutely the hammered him. Did they? Yeah, okay, okay. Because they got the two ex- early goals, and then were hammered. I'm pretty sure. I, I like. I, I, my guess would be like eight plus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yep. True, lads. You've lost the provincial final. The correct ah. answer was false. It is between. From it was. It's the closest from 2013 upwards. But in 2012, Dublin only beat Meade by a goal in the provincial final, uh, 213 to 113. And also in 2011, they only beat Wexford by a goal, 212 to 112. Oh, You're getting your games much. mixed up. Yeah, Mick, in 2008, they did play Wexford in the Leinster final, but they hammered them 323 to nine points. Mm. So you just had your games. Yeah, that match, to, that was close because I remember Dublin, Wexford gave away a really soft goal, like a really soft goal, like an, an OG or something like that. Mm. And that let Dublin in, and they were in trouble up until that point. Ash, so there you go. Yeah, but oh, look so at yeah, I, I, I like, but uh, I'm seeing here a G Malloy own goal for Dublin. You had um, you never <laughs> anything to remember now, Mick. <laughs> You're dead right. It was an own goal. I thought it was. Uh, they won yeah. in the end. It was two twelve to one twelve. There you go. Uh, but don't worry, because it was the last game, our last question, in which you could have got one wrong and stayed in the championship. So you're into the qualifiers for a chance to get back into the All-Ireland quarterfinal. Our qualifier question. Carlo's qualifier clash with local rivals Leash was famous for what reason? Was it A, the first championship game to be played on a Friday night, B, the first championship game to use Hawkeye, or C, there were five sending-offs in the match? Sendings off. 
like I don't think it was the first one to use Hawkeye. Surely that That's, would have been that that would have happened in the provincial championships. You would think. I've the Friday night game rings a bell. There I definitely there, has. Been. There was talk about Friday night games back then, but there was opposition to it. Like, did it actually happen? I think it did. Yeah. Oh God, I think awfully one of us. Five cents off, like that. I'm not. You wouldn't necessarily remember that, would you? No. I'm okay with a guess on this. I probably agree with you. It's not Hawkeye. Yeah. Hawkeye it, was it, sure. Hawkeye wouldn't. Why? Why would Leash and Carlo be playing in Co Park? It's definitely not Hawkeye. Yeah. In a qualifier, like. Yeah. Uh, it must be. I. I feel like it's the Friday night one. Okay. Let's do it. Yep. Friday night, Mark. Final last Friday night. I can tell you that there were not five sending offs. Yes. Between Carlo and Leach. Sendings oh, off, Mark. Sendings <laughs> off. Sendings <Come> off. <laughs> uh, were not, although, let me double check. <laughs> I didn't even check that because I just made it up. <laughs> top head, but I presume they went. Uh, I can also tell you that 2013 was the year that Hawkeye was used for the first time in the championship. However, it was used in the Leinster match between Offaly and Kildare. So you are indeed right, Mick, or PJ, really. Uh, it was the first Friday night championship match. Carlo well beat. Well done. Or Leash beat back. Carlo. 312 points. Was it the only Friday night championship match? I think so, yeah. I don't think there's yeah. one played since. Uh, there you have it. Uh, you've made it in to the quarterfinals of the All-Ireland. You've got no back door now, though, lads. Get this wrong and you're out. This is a tricky one, but when you think about it, it might be that tricky. Name the four defeated All-Ireland quarterfinalists. Monaghan. Cavan and Donegal. Yeah. Because that was a double header. So who were the fourth team? The team that Dublin beat. Cork. Definitely Cork. Makes sense. Yeah, I was yeah, at that too. Yeah, yeah. You are indeed right, lads. Jesus, you're starving through this. <laughs> it was Cavan, Monaghan, Donegal and Cork. Terry <laughs> B. Cavan. Uh, Donegal were all our champions who were absolutely destroyed by Mayo. And, uh, the, yeah, the, there was the, the Sean, Cavan, game, the, yeah. Sean Cavan the game and uh, Dublin beat Cork um, in Croker. I was at that game. So, lads, this is it. You're through to the All-Ireland semi-final. You've, this is the most impressive performance once I've seen so far, usually when I mention quarterfinals, I can't remember one of the games. Never mind the other <laughs> We lost all four of them. What a season! Now to think of it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Semi <laughs> so final question. There were we're moving on to even bigger games. Uh, there were six goals and five goal scorers in the All Ireland semi final between Dublin and Kerry. Name them. Six. Sorry, say it again. Five goals. Six scorers. goals. Five goal scorers. Okay. Name the five goal scorers. James O'Donoghue. Definitely got one, at yeah. least. Might have got two. Dunica Walsh. There was, yeah. the two, there was the two Gooch kind of setups. There was the one where yeah. Walsh had the lovely pass for it, and there was the one where he finished it. Yeah. So somebody had two, so it might have been... I, th- I think it was James O'Donoghue. Okay. I think James O'Donoghue got two. So Dunahoo and Walsh. Yeah, that's um, three goals for Kerry. So uh, McMenamin. Yeah. 
I watched this match like I swear to God three weeks ago. On a we got got together with the lads and we've been watching old football matches on on yeah, Zoom. Yeah. And we decided we'd do a bit of GA and we decided to pick this one. The whole thing is on YouTube. I'd say I, it was I, three weeks ago. This remember. was uh, why I was initially going to say name like four of the five or something, five guesses. And then I was like, there's no way you haven't watched this game recently. It's not a 2013 question. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> who's going to go into this match? So Arguably the best game of Gaelic football ever played. Um. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I, so we, we I, I did, yeah I, I'm pretty sure the goal was in the first half. It came pretty quickly after Kerry had maybe got their second. This and I think it might have been Bernard Brogan. Mm. I can't picture it. I, I feel like it was a pretty scrappy goal. Yeah. Who would the Dublin forwards have been? McManaman, Ono McManaman's sub, no? Yeah, he probably was. Yeah, I'm just even yeah. thinking of lads who'd be on. Yeah. So you're thinking of starters. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Brogan. O'Gara. Alan Brogan, would he have been there? He probably wouldn't. Have been. Yeah, Alan Brogan was footballer of the year in 13, actually, wasn't he? So he would have been centre forward. Or maybe that was 11. It was, it was 11. No, he was 11. Yeah. yeah. I think he was still there, but he probably wasn't starting. Connolly. It wasn't Flynn. Connolly. I don't Paul think so. Paul Flynn as well. I don't. Um, I don't remember Paul Flynn getting a goal in this game. I feel like it was Bernard Brogan. Okay. Okay. I, let's do it. We, we're that's so, my memory. How many do we? We need. To, we need another one, though, don't we? Because we've only we have, we, yeah, we five goal five. scorers. So we've got James O'Donoghue. We've got Donoghue Walsh. We've got. Uh, McMenamin that we're sure of. We've got yes. we've got six. Yeah, I give you a clue on them. So there's six goals, five goal scorers on the Dublin side. One of the players started, and two of them were subbed. Okay, so McMenamin is one of the subs. Mm. Say that again, Mark, if you don't mind. So there were six goals, five yeah. goal scorers, and of the goals scored. On the Dublin side, one of the goals was from a start at 15 that started, and two of the goals were from the subs. Yeah. Zero sub. O'Gara. Yeah. Do you remember him scoring? Vaguely. I think so. We were probably both. We were both at this match, were we? Yeah, so, was at the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Former Balls employee Connor Neville started the next day. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a feeling O'Gara did score. Who else even? Would he be in a sub? Oh, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Had the Andrews another option? Yeah. Oh. God, it's a shocker. Is it the toughest semi-final question we've had? Uh, it's it's pretty yeah. This wrong. is this is along the lines of all Ireland final questions. This is but anyway. It's a fair one. It's a fair one. I just wish I mean, I it's the, the most, one of the most famous games in the last decade. Yeah, that's like, so maybe stupid. of all time. 
Like I don't feel bad about that answer. You like Brogan and yeah. you want O'Gara to be the, the, the I, next I think team. it could be. I think it could be O'Gara and we're we're certain about McMenamin. Yeah. Look, it's as good as we can do. Yeah. We we know yeah. three, we've a fair idea on four, and we have to have a stab in the dark to fight. A guy who did come off the bench and score goals. Fuels. Yeah. Final answer? Yeah, go on. Yeah. That's wrong. Another man. week. <laughs> ah. Semi final defeat. <laughs> just can't get over that barrier. You had four out of the five. The goal scorers are two goals from James Donahue, a goal from Donica Walsh, a goal from Monagara, a goal from Ken McManaman. Ken McManaman. I wasn't broken. Dermot Connolly. No, Paul Mannion. Mannion. Oh, I was just Mannion. actually, I was going to say Mannion, but I wouldn't have been. I, I, I'm not going to say I knew it. I was just trying to remember was he there that long? And I was just. A few times I nearly said his name. But it was only to try and name the forwards, I wasn't. Uh, there you uh, go. It was a tough one. It was a tough one, but it was it was an incredibly famous match. Uh, if we'd gone with the four or the five, we'd have gotten it. But um, we've we gotten the All Ireland question. Yeah, we've gotten the final question right. Who won man of the match in the All Ireland final? It's a tricky one. Um, who got football of the year? Footballer of the year in 2013 was. Oh, good question. <laughs> that was. I was tempted to go with that question, except I was like, I, this isn't strictly with the rules because it has to be the All Ireland final. But uh, there you go. That was. That would have been the other question they could have gone with. I'll give you a clue, though, uh, for this. I wouldn't have had you gotten to the final, but now that it's just for fun. The All Ireland uh, Footballer of the Year and the. Man of the match in the final were two different people. Yeah. I do and want to know. I want to, I want to know both of them now. The footballer of the year, what, like this wasn't one of the ones where Mayo got it, was it? So Keegan and Moran have one. It wasn't either of these years. Um, so it was a dub. I know Jack McCaffrey was young player of the year. Mm. Which leaves us with... <laughs> John, it's too early for John Small, is it? For Man of the Match, no, yeah, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, another famous match, Kerry, or double Mumbai, a point two twelve to one fourteen. This yeah, player yeah, got the two. Go on. Got the two goals. Bernard yeah. Brogan. Yes. Yeah, Man of the match. Goal he got right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was your footballer of the year? Hold off a minute now, right? Uh, not that many people have won Footballer of the Year, right? So it was neither the Brogans, because <laughs> Alan won it in 11 and Bernard won it in 10. It wasn't... I don't think Paul Flynn ever won Footballer of the no. Year. Macaulay. Yes, Michael Darren Macaulay. Macaulay. Yep. Wow, Jesus. And Killian Connor finished top goal, our top scorer in the championship with 622 which is an outrageous amount of uh, points and goals. Goals. But uh, yeah, Michael Darren McCauley was uh, player of the year. It was, what a year. What a championship that was, lads. Uh, Mark, the first ever Hawkeye, bitter and twisted. Yeah. The first ever Hawkeye. You had the first Friday night match. You had London uh, getting to the Connor final for the first time ever. You had uh, the, the Kerry and um, Dublin semi-final. You had the Dublin Mayo final. It was outrageous, and you had trekking. Uh, you can forget about John Cavan as far as his man. Yeah, that that quarter final, Donegal, uh, 
Yeah, and it was long. That was another one I was tempted. I didn't Aiden want to go there. Sorry. What? Sorry. <laughs> no, Aiden O'Shea that game, that quarter final against uh, Donegal, one of the best performances I've ever seen in the football field. He was just unbelievable. But yeah, can you remember the winning margin that Mayo beat Donegal by? Oh, that's hard. It was like oh. twenty points or something. Like there was a it was a lot. Was it? Was it? it was how much was it? Sixteen points. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now that would have been an impossible question. Like it's too big. <laughs> you, you yeah. Know, you can... uh, there we go, lads. Another week, another football semi-final defeat. We've only got a couple of weeks of this left to I'm, try and do it before the actual. I'm never going to remember a championship better than I remember thirteen in football and <laughs> Never. Like, and I still couldn't win either of them. This is too hard. That, that's the one I. This is the one I feel most disappointed with. Yeah. That me we too. didn't do it. Me too. Yeah. I watched that game a couple of weeks ago, lads. <laughs> but there you have it Every, that, is time, that is it for us it's time to go if you've not listened to the rest of the podcast and you've listened to the quiz uh, be sure to jump back in you can listen to all our football chat and everything else uh, for the rest of the pod by searching the build up on Balls.ie on all good podcast apps please do subscribe rate, review all that crack uh, but until we chat to you next week mind yourself <laughs>